And welcome everyone to another installment of Dose of Dog presented by our friends at Embark. We sit down with Heather, a friend from Embark. Learn about dogs. Who doesn't like dogs? And overall animal care as well as a lot of the things we discuss uh, can be carried over uh, to various pets as well. Uh, Heather, hello. Here we are. Brand new calendar year. And I know you've got a fun topic for us to discuss today. Yes. You know, it's one that I guess I hadn't really thought about before last March, perhaps. <laughs> so today our topic is going to be um, socializing your puppy during a pandemic. And I know that I have blogged about this. I have talked about this. Oh my gosh, a lot since, you know, coronavirus kind of surfaced last spring. Um, but I feel like we're, we're going to be kind of under uh, uh, a different social status, I guess, for the next upcoming months. And so I think people are still having, they still have puppies at home. They're still getting puppies. And so kind of giving some thought to some mindful socialization ideas, because I think a lot of people are kind of in a panic. I think, you know, our class load for puppies is so full right now. And it has been um, over the spring, over the summer, over the fall, I feel like into the winter, there's a lot of people that are adding a puppy to their world, which of course I think is fabulous. Um, but it presents a problem. You know, we, when we get a puppy, we have like these big plans to get them out and have experiences with them. And coronavirus has kind of put the smackdown on that. So it, it, if, if anything good came out of coronavirus, not that anything good necessarily could, but it has, it has forced dog trainers to kind of pivot and think about what are some, some dig, dig into my toolbox and kind of configure some ways to socialize these puppies that are safe, um, that aren't putting their humans at risk. And so, um, so I thought we'd talk about that today because I think a lot of people are kind of stuck, um, you know, in the socialization process, they're stuck at home. They're stuck not going to kids soccer games. And a lot of the opportunities that we had, last year are not available this year. So, so no need to panic. We have some really good ideas <laughs> that we can help you with that are easy, that are free, that are um, giving them just as fabulous of opportunities than if we weren't kind of quarantined or, or we didn't have social distancing protocols occurring. So, so I thought today we kind of put some thought into, into how, what does that look like and what opportunities can people seek out? So. Yeah, well, why don't you give us some of these, uh, some of these bullet points, if you will. So we're going to kind of, let's talk about <clears throat> kind of hitting. So actually let's kind of define what socialization means first. And then kind of digging into sight, smell, sound, proprioception, husbandry skills, all these things that you can kind of do on their, on your own. So developmentally, I guess first we have to kind of define what socialization is. So my interpretation of what socialization is may be different. So my goal with a puppy is to create a socially stable dog. And that means, can you take that dog kind of anywhere and they can be socially stable? Um, and that doesn't mean meeting a whole bunch of people, visiting people, meeting a whole bunch of other dogs. That just means, can you put that puppy in a situation where it's comfortable? And so, so that means for socialization, our goal is to build resiliency. We know that resilient, confident dogs can kind of handle anything that is thrown at them. And, 
and puppies that don't have a lot of socialization in their background, that those those behaviors that they have as a teenager often look fearful. And that's scary to people because dogs that are scared, you know, they resort to growling, they resort to um, avoidance behaviors and things that sometimes could lead to lead to nipping someone, biting someone, growling, and that's pretty scary for puppy owners. So resiliency, building resiliency is super important. Now we kind of have a time frame to do that. So socialization, kind of the biggest pieces of socialization kind of occur before a puppy's five months old. So we kind of have this this time limited window in which to expose them and and create ex- mindful experiences for them to be exposed to. So, so we want to get these puppies experiences before they're five months old, because once they become about six months old, they become a teenager. And as we both know, <laughs> teenagers have strong opinions. <laughs> and so our goal is to create a dog that is kind of socially savvy, socially comfortable in a lot of situations before they become a teenager. So we have this kind of um, list of experiences that they're comfortable around before they hit teenager dumb. So so that being said, you know, most of us get puppies ideally between eight to 10 weeks um, is always a good age um, to bring a puppy home. So, you know, we think about so much when we talk about socialization, we think of social and I almost wish that word wasn't in there because socialization isn't necessarily about being social. Um, it's about kind of cultivating experiences in which the puppy is successful, they build confidence and they become resilient. So how do we do that in a world in which social opportunities and gatherings and a lot of things are off limits to us. Oh my gosh, there are so many ways to do this. So I kind of broke it down into sights, smells, sounds, proprioception, husbandry, and then kind of creating a behavioral repertoire for the puppies. So let's talk about smells first. And I know we talked a little bit about this, Scott, on our last podcast about enrichment, but Gosh, the more we learn about how dogs use their nose, the more we understand how important it is. And so smells are one thing that we can do in the house. I mean, oh my gosh, you know, if you have um, a yard or you have access to a yard or you have access to a park where there are a lot of smells, just simply getting them out and having them experience new smells. And to us, you know, when, when we humans think of what a new smell might be, it, we think of something that is is maybe bigger, like we smell a field of Holsteins, perhaps. But for a puppy, remember, they're smelling every little molecule that they kind of pass when they're walking around. So you can do this in your backyard. So, you know, in your house, your puppy's pretty familiar with the smells in your house. But could you go in your backyard and you could grab possibly some basil from the garden or dried basil and you put it in a box? Could you use maybe a different kind of perfume that you haven't used since you got the puppy? Um, Or maybe some, you know, Scott, you probably got some weird aftershave like three Christmases ago from an aunt that you could just like dab on a leaf somewhere in the yard (laughs) Um, and maybe put that out in the yard. Um, uh, how about one of the things that actually is in my truck today is a a towel that our barn cat sits on. And so every couple of weeks I switch out his little where he sits um, in the morning when we greet him. And I bring that into puppy class and the puppies get to smell that because a lot of dogs don't know what a cat is. Uh, and I'm sure all of us have friends that have a cat. Could you swap out a towel if they have maybe chickens? Um 
could you have a towel, you know, brush them with a towel and then the puppy gets to smell that. Um, so there's so many things that you can do in your yard, maybe a new kind of hand lotion that smells weird to them. And again, all of those smells that we are getting them to understand because smell is a safe thing. Like they're, they're, they're typically not worried about a smell, especially puppies with novel smells because there's no behavioral history of an aversive occurring possibly with a smell. Um, <clears throat> no, that's not a hard and fast rule that possible that could be a possibility, but um, so new smells of any sort. Um, and the more we kind of look at the world as our puppies, the more creative I feel like we can be with smells. Um, one of the recommendations that I often give in puppy class and even pre-pandemic <laughs> was if you live in a very urban setting, um, it is really advantageous to take your puppy out to the country. So maybe you go park on a dead end somewhere in Oliva and <clears throat> where there is a, a field of cattle and you just open the window and you just watch. You know, the puppies don't need in that context to be rewarded or reinforced. They just need to sit, smell. They're going to smell the cattle. It smells very different, possibly, from Barstow Street down in Eau Claire. <laughs> um, they can smell. They can watch. They can kind of from a safe distance just kind of observe and take that information in. Um, if you live in an urban setting, so let's say you do, do live on Barstow Street in Eau Claire, so you could take your pup, or you, or you live in a rural setting rather. So let's say you do live in a rural setting and your puppy is used to smelling sheep and chickens, but they have never heard or smelled what the exhaust push of a city bus smells like. Um, that's an experience, you know, there's probably going to be a time where you're going to be downtown and they're going to hear that and smell that. So, so kind of, um, overlapping, you know, the environments that you live in with new ones are going to be really important. And again, that's free and that's safe. You don't have to go into the bus station. Um, you can just park downtown, open the window, let them kind of experience. If your puppy is not showing any fear, then you could possibly get out of the car. You could stand and just watch. And I think one of the things that we don't give enough, I guess, credence to is just allowing your puppy to watch like, just let them hang out. Let them see the environment. They don't have to be doing anything. They just have to be watching. Um, and so those are, are kind of good ideas, depending upon the environment that they live in, that they're most familiar with. Um, you know, taking them out to uh, one of the environments that we talk about in puppy class is a construction site. Um, and again, you're not going right up and close to, you know, the backhoe, <laughs> you're maybe going to park your car near it. I mean, all the smells coming out of the ground as they're moving earth around, the sounds of the equipment, um, the beeping, the exhaust, you know, the diesel fuel, all of those things, I think we underestimate how powerful that is to a puppy. Um, so thinking about environments like that, that you can, you can take your puppy into are important. And that kind of covers the sight, sound, smells piece of that. Um, and again, that doesn't, you know, that doesn't include being social with people. That just means new experiences where they, they saw something and they thought it might have been kind of odd and then went, oh, okay, this is interesting. <clears throat> so environments that, that we can take them or create in our backyard with smell and sights and sounds are a really easy piece to do with puppies um, when we're kind of socially isolated a little bit from the rest of the world. Um, so that is kind of the, so sight sounds and smells are, are really important. And again, you always want to be really mindful if your puppy is worried about something and what does that look like? So, 
you know, the body language of a puppy that would be worried would be trying to back away from a trigger of some sort, um, ears back, a lot of licking their lips, a lot of maybe scratching at their collar. Those are all signs of stress. And so if you see that, obviously back up possibly from the trigger, um, maybe get them back in the car. You know, we never want to, we never want to create experiences that are worrisome to them. We want them to kind of explore on their own. So just being really aware of what those things look like if your puppy was worried, because it's such an impressionable time for puppies, right, when they're baby dogs. So just being really careful of that. Um, <clears throat> the next kind of pieces are, are proprioception. So I think we don't, again, think about this when we have puppies. So proprioception means moving their body through space. So are the puppies comfortable just moving their bodies around? And, you know, if someone purposefully bred your puppy, they should have, because there's a lot of literature out there on this, been mindful of in the whelping box, um, giving them opportunities to move their body and crawl on things and experience different surfaces. So once we get them home between that eight to 10 week time frame, we can kind of continue this process. So what does proprioception look like at home? Oh my gosh, in your, in your kitchen, in your living room, um, getting them to walk on different surfaces. So it could be that bubble wrap that you just got from an Amazon package that they walk on. It could be the metal pan of their crate turned upside down on a different flooring surface. It could be stacking you know, pieces of wood up that they get to walk over and be mindful of where they're picking up and placing their rear end. Um, it could be, gosh, one of the, the greatest things that families have done kind of this, this, like during this time frame with puppies are putting forts up in the living room. I mean, who doesn't love to do that? The puppy goes in and out. They go under a blanket. They come through, you know, the the fabric of a tent to get into it. I mean, they're feeling that on their body. They're going into somewhere where visually it looks a little odd to them. It might be something that looks a little bit different. So proprioceptive and, and allowing them to move their bodies and, and really learn how to crawl over things on things. Um, that I think is a skill that we don't really think about, you know, and in our live puppy classes, holy cow, we do lots of this. The first 10 minutes of every class is kind of a confidence course where we just allow them to use their bodies and walk and climb and, and get comfortable on different surfaces. Surfaces are such a big piece to dogs. And I think we don't think that, you know, it looks weird. It feels weird. <laughs> so any surface that you can get them to walk on is important. And and again, I think the biggest piece to all of this is kind of letting them do it on their own accord. So, you know, Scott, if someone said to you, oh, you know, walk on this tiny little bridge that dips into the, you know, Grand Canyon, you'll be fine. I mean, if they just push you over onto that bridge, you are not enjoying that experience. <laughs> However, if you decide on your own that you can slowly kind of walk over that bridge at an overlook, you know, you're going to enjoy it and you're going to get a lot more out of it than if someone just pushed you. So, Again, we, we need to allow them to experience and create confidence kind of on their own so that we aren't pushing them into environments that are scary for them because that's damaging to your relationship in the long run. You know, your puppy, you really need to be kind of their solid rock <laughs> um, in the process. <laughs> so, so you always want to make sure you're kind of the trusted human in that relationship. So... I think proprioception is super important. You know, other, another thing that I have coached families to do is um, in your house, because we're all spending a lot of time at our house right now, 
uh, creating, like moving things around. You know, maybe you take your exercise ball, you know, everyone has one of those big exercise balls and you place it out in the middle of the yard one day and then you go to take your puppy out to potty. I mean, believe me, they are going to see that. (laughs) And most likely they're going to be but dependent upon your puppy's temperament, either worried about it, curious about it. And so your yard is a safe place. And so let them kind of explore on their own. You're not going to bounce it around. You're just going to let them go check it out. Um, Maybe, you know, tomorrow morning you move the ottoman into the kitchen. That's different. Maybe the couch is moved. Um, Maybe you take a bar stool and you put it in the middle of the bedroom. So, so having them experience things that are different because we know that again, resiliency comes from them just being able to handle change in the world. And so creating situations like that, where it looks different to them. Um, I mean, there's a lot you can do in your house. Again, the forts are super fun. Um, your family dressing up in like their snowmobile, their snowmobile helmet, perhaps that looks very odd to them. And maybe one of the kids dresses up in their, their snowboarding gear. Um, the puppy comes near them and they're paying them treats and they're in their lap and they get to smell the helmet and they get to smell what snow pants look like and big boots and that, that gate of shuffling in snow pants towards a puppy. Um, those are all things that I think we don't consider how odd they look to a dog um, until you're walking down the street and a little kid comes shuffling towards your puppy um, in snow pants and your puppy goes, holy cow, that's terrifying. It's like an alien. So allowing them to experience all those things are just something really easy you can do at home. So um, that kind of covers the proprioceptive part. And again, that is just, this is a very into, or a very beginner's look at a lot of what proprioceptive things could look like in your house. It's kind of endless, really. Um, And then the other piece that I think is really important for puppies, regardless of a pandemic or not, are just basic husbandry skills. So, you know, we're home with our puppies a lot right now. We're home with our dogs a lot right now, which I think they think is like the best thing ever. (laughs) Um, Thank goodness for dogs right now, right? Um, But husbandry skills. So that means, you know, cooperatively, um, brushing them, doing their nails, cleaning their ears, um, looking in their mouth. So, so doing some really basic husbandry things to, to teach them that, Hey, brushing is really fabulous. Uh, one of the things that we talk about in class is taking some, is essentially just pairing a grooming procedure, like brushing, brushing their coat out or combing them with something really good. So that what that might look like is you take some cheese spray or some cream cheese or some peanut butter and you spread it on a washable surface like your washing machine or the shower door. As you're brushing them, they're licking the peanut butter. Um, The moment that peanut butter or cream cheese or whatever you have smeared on the surface is gone, the brush stops so that they think, holy cow, like this is amazing. Um, Every time I get brushed, something really fabulous happens. So, so just kind of you know, thinking about environments like that and, and getting them to really like to be brushed. So, so it could be cleaning their ears out. Um, you know, you're going to do the same kind of procedure. You're going to put cream cheese or something on a washable surface as the puppy's eating it, get them used to, I'm going to look in your ears right now, or I'm going to pick up one of your back feet, or I'm going to, um, even getting them used to veterinary visits, taking, you know, is some kind of metal label and just touching them with it. Like that look, that's kind of an odd thing that they're going to experience when they go to the veterinary office. So, 
those husbandry skills are so easy to do at home and tiny little bits of it. Like when you're, when I say brush your puppy, you're literally going to put up like a dab of cream cheese or a grab a dab of spray cheese on the refrigerator, brush them for 10 seconds and then they're done. And let me tell you, if you do that a couple times a day, I guarantee you in like two weeks, your puppy's going to be standing there awaiting their brushing. <laughs> and there's a lot of heavily coated puppies out there right now, like the golden doodles and the labradoodles and the doodles of any sort. You know, they have a pretty intense grooming requirement. Um, goldens and, you know, any heavily coated dog, getting them really comfortable with being brushed as a puppy. Holy cow. It just saves you so much for coat maintenance and it makes it enjoyable. Um, I know I personally like to groom my dogs. I like brushing them. They enjoy it. Um, it's kind of a soothing time for both of us. And so I think creating opportunities where, where they have, um, they think it's fun and it's been, whoops, it's been, sorry about that. It's been worth it to them. So that husbandry piece is really important. And that's something we can just start at home. Um, you know, nail trimming. Nail trimming is a whole nother beast <laughs> that we'll have to do a podcast on because that explanation takes a little bit longer to go through. It's a very long process, I guess, until you actually clip a nail. Um, it's not something that like brushing, that's not quite as, it's not quite invasive. <laughs> it's a little bit, or it is more invasive than like brushing them with a brush. So that kind of covers the husbandry piece. And then, you know, as in any, I guess, stage of life, I think the, one of the biggest pieces to creating resiliency and confidence is just having them have a playlist of behaviors that they can do really easily. So in classes, we talk about, you know, obviously we teach specific skills. We teach a hand target. We teach sits, downs, and stands. We teach go to your mat. Um, we teach some tricks, but just like looking at the list of things they can do and just adding to it. And it can be anything. It doesn't have to be some exquisite skill where they can, you know, bounce off your back and catch a Frisbee. However, that is a fabulous skill, but it can be a shake, a spin, a crawl, a backup, um, a duration chin rest. It can be anything that you teach them is going to help them build confidence. Um, it doesn't have to be some, you know, incredibly technical trick of any sort. It can be anything. And so, you know, little tricks that you teach them to, um, a hand target is one of our favorite things. And we teach it, we teach it in all class, almost all classes. And it's just a, something you can kind of morph into other behaviors, but teaching them to put their nose on things, teaching them to put their front paws on things, teaching them to, um, you know, sit on different surfaces. So just creating a really strong repertoire of behaviors is probably a, is a really huge way to just create resiliency. Um, you know, the more, it's kind of like humans, right? The more that we know, the more confident we are going into most situations. So I would say those are kind of my top pieces of things that I would add into to socialization of a puppy. Um, now, notice that I didn't really talk about get them into environments where there are hundreds of people. <laughs> um, I'm not really for the whole your puppy needs to meet 100 people in 100 days because I think it is like infinitely more important to create quality environments that your dog is comfortable in rather than quantity. And, you know, some dogs just aren't a fan of all people. Um, some humans are not a fan of all people. Um, now, that doesn't mean that they can't be socially stable. 
that means to be really mindful of some dogs of how you introduce them to people because you know, not all dogs are golden retrievers. Not all golden retrievers are golden retrievers that love everyone. And that's okay. You know, we, we get breeds because we appreciate the temperaments of the work that they've been bred to do. Um, I always say that a golden retriever puppy will love everyone. Mostly. I mean, they're obviously, um, dogs that don't fit into those parameters. Um, I often say a German shepherd needs three references and then they'll let you know tomorrow if they would like to be your friend. And so, and that's why we love them, right? They, they all come to us with different temperaments and, and um, behaviors that are kind of ingrained into their brains from their genetics. So um, again, we, we, so in, in creating experiences for them to meet people, um, I, I think it, it warrants being very mindful of how you set that up. So your puppy doesn't need to meet every single human when you take a walk. You know, when you have a leash on your puppy, it means, hey, you know what, when a leash is on and there are people passing, that means that really good stuff comes from me. If you want a dog that is attentive to you on leash, this is something you have to create as a puppy. So walking them means that when you're on a leash, really good stuff happens from me when we pass other dogs, when we pass other people. Um, and then if you want to meet someone, I might have a little cue that means, okay, now you can go see them. Um, and that means, yep, you can go love them up. They're going to give you treats. Um, but you know, your puppy doesn't need to meet every human. They don't need to get treats from every human because that creates puppies that want to go to every human to get snacks. <laughs> and, and I guarantee you, um, the majority of your walks, a lot of the people are not there to give your dog snacks. So, um, again, when you have a leash on them and you are in kind of a walking setting, um, you know, setting it up so that you have a, a little behavioral repertoire when you meet a person of this is the expectation. I would like you to hang out with me. Really good stuff comes from me in the presence of other humans when you're on a leash. And then when I tell you, okay, now you can go see Scott. Um, then your puppy is allowed to go up and, and uh, meet that human. So setting up situations where it's a little, it's control. Um, they don't get to go see other humans all the time. Um, and then setting up social situations. You know, if you're, you have a friend that um, has a puppy that could be appropriate with your puppy, whether it's an adult, a socially savvy adult, or another puppy, um, those are awesome situations for you to allow them to do little play groups with. Um, you know, puppies, it's important for them to learn how to play with with dogs of all kind of flavors, really, you know, if they've never met, if your puppy has never met a bulldog and they meet a bulldog at seven months old, they are going to be really weirded out by the fact that it, there is a, a boulder that is moving slowly towards them. <laughs> so um, creating situations with appropriate, and I say appropriate dogs and holy cow, you guys, that is so important. Do not take your puppy to the dog park and throw them into a, a group of dogs. You do not know that just is setting them up to fail. Um, if they have to feel defensive, that's a behavior then they're gonna to start to do around other dogs. Um, and so mindfully setting up situations where you can meet other people that you know their dogs, you know how they act around puppies, you know they're safe. Um, that is just so important to set your puppies up for success in life. Um, you know, that you, that you know um, those dogs. Um, are, is just so important. I mean, I am, when I have a puppy, I'm so protective of who I let them play with and I don't have children and maybe it's like that in the, in the human world. Um, but I want them to play with a, with a whole bunch of different dogs that, that 
I know their behaviors. And that doesn't mean, I mean, sometimes that means you have an adult who is socially stable, but intolerant of puppies and not in a mean way, just in a way that says, Hey, you're annoying. And I'm going to tell you to knock it off. Um, but not hurt the puppy just so the puppy learns that, okay, she was not appreciative of me. <laughs> so setting up situations where they can play and get social skills, but again, be really mindful of who you're allowing them to play with. I just have seen so many puppies get thrown into the dog park and become really defensive because they're getting rolled by other dogs. And you know what, you guys, they don't need to figure it out. That's horrible, horrible advice. Um, you need to, to be mindful if you want a socially stable dog to kind of create that. So so I guess, Scott, that would be kind of my pandemic puppy rules. <laughs> well, it's, out, it's outstanding, uh, and it's something for everybody to keep in mind and, and to go over. And, and, and as we always say here, you've got a lot of information there. And if people wanted uh, more information or they wanted some more guidance, uh, that's what Embark is for, correct? Yes, and we have, you know, I think right now we have 11 live puppy classes um, and I have a virtual class that actually starts on January 14th. Um, it's recorded. So if you have to miss out, um, we can we can send you the recording. So I do have a virtual option as well. And we talk a lot about this in that class just because um, I, I kind of in that class have people from all over the country. So they're 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 not necessarily here in our area. They're kind of everywhere. So creating opportunities to socialize their puppies, too. But yes, absolutely. Heather, thank you very much. Another great edition of Dose of Dog. Awesome. Thanks, Scott.